Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. LGBT thriller. You have now entered the house of mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. One hundred six point five FM Los Angeles. One hundred two point three FM Riverside. And one hundred five oh AM Palm Springs. Welcome back into the House of Mystery, and I'm Al Warren. And uh, on the other side of the country, we've got Mr. David Rose North Martino. <laughs> You're hey, wearing a rose today. I get, I get, is that four yeah. days now? Yeah, you're, you're That's good. Full, full meal deal now. So what, <laughs> what is going on with you? You've been off again for another week. What do you think you're doing? I know. You're going to rain me yeah, in. And, it's like, and then you're all over Facebook and you're drunk. Because <laughs> there's nothing but liquor on there. <laughs> I don't understand you. That's, it's, it's crazy. crazy. Just living a crazy you life. Are. You are. <laughs> and we just had, uh, it was just Canadian Thanksgiving, so that's exciting. A lot yeah. of, yeah, how a was lot that? of dead birds. Um, mm. Yeah, it was fine. I don't know. I just, uh, I think I slept. Um, <laughs> well, after eating all the food. What food? No, McDonald's. <laughs> uh, <the laughs> Northern, no, that's you. Northern Lights happened as well. See, I put pictures up, so. Oh, I saw yeah, that. Pretty exciting, yeah. eh? It's yeah, beautiful. It's better than the fires. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> and you don't, you don't get that in Boston. Boston, Boston. No, you get, uh, Boston. You get the red huh? lights. You had the marathon. Did you run in the marathon? I didn't. No. <laughs> Were you even up? <laughs> I was drinking. Yeah. Oh my god. Couldn't. Can't run and drink at the same time. You spill, spill your drink. <laughs> and, and you write. I can't believe that. I know, your wife crazy. Writes. I know, it's not you. Yeah, I'm <laughs> up to her. <laughs> You're always hungover. 
<laughs> oh, there we go. Well, uh, of course, it's another week, and we are starting out the week with a uh, new author that we haven't had before. Uh, now, the book we're going to focus on is called Blood Mark. Sounds exciting. And the author is a Canadian from Vancouver, uh, J.P. McLean. Thank you for being here. Hey, it's my pleasure. Great to be here. I'd have a drink, but I'm afraid day drinking makes me nappy. <laughs> yeah, well, you see, I guess if you do it like Dave, you're kind of doing it all day, all night. It's <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You don't, know, well you don't know whether it's day or night. <laughs> it's all a blur. <laughs> I'll just not tell you. Uh, anyway, well, um, so Joanne, um, what got you into this writing world, first of all? Like, where, where, where did it uh, come from for you? Well, it happened, it started happening about 10 years ago, or a little more now, 12 years ago, I suppose, because I had been traveling with my husband uh, for work, and we were in Tucson for three years, and a town in Mexico for one year, and in the Baja for a year. So we came back to the West Coast um, in the fall, and the rains had started, and the hockey had started, and I'm not a hockey fan, but it was on the television, (laughs) and I was sitting in the living room watching the rain pelt sideways against the window, thinking, what on earth am I going to do this uh, this first winter back on the West Coast? And I had been doing a, uh, reading a lot of uh, paranormal books and supernatural books, and so I thought, you know, I'm going to try my hand at writing because it's, it's been something I've been interested in, didn't ever think I had the talent to do it or the, uh, the idea big enough for a book or anything, but I just thought I'd do that for to, to test it out and it turns out I absolutely love doing it so um, that winter's poking away at a particular scene ended up turning into a whole book uh, that later had to be written, rewritten of course many times but that's how I got into it. Wow so what what about the paranormal is it that uh, draws you in is it is it like personal experience something you've been through or do you um, just know a lot of people that have been involved or um, no. what, what brought you into getting into paranormal part? I, I, you know, it's a couple of things. First of all, it's um, I, I have these very vivid dreams of flying, and I know I'm not the only one, so don't laugh. <laughs> but that, that uh, certainly fueled some of it. But um, the other thing that uh, fuels it is I, just, I find it fascinating, you know, the idea that uh, we don't yet know, I mean, People obviously can't fly, but can people read minds? Maybe they can. Yeah. So I, I, like, I like the possibility that these things exist, even though perhaps they don't. I just like the possibility that they do. I find them fascinating. Well, the mind is a very powerful thing. It's really, you know, and you, you're relying on your own eyes and ears, and, and the brain fills in a lot of holes, so it's really tough to, to know. Um, but, um, are, 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 do you actually, um, when you do a book like this, do you actually go out and meet people that are involved in paranormal investigations or mediums or you kind of get, uh, information that way? No, no, not no. really. It's Stay mostly just that. my imagination. Yeah. I just, I, I don't need any extra help in the imagination department. <laughs> I seem to have an overactive one as it is, but I do tend to focus on certain things and um, and dreams seem to always come into it for some reason I suppose because I always have such vivid dreams but 
but no, I don't. Uh, I I do like the idea of the unexplained. Yeah, it is. It's it's kind of a, an interesting thing, and plus, I guess that you feel a certain amount of freedom with that as well, where you can go with something like that. Oh, absolutely. The sky is the limit in, in terms of that. And um, when I'm writing, I tend to um, I tend to layer things into it. Like it doesn't always come to me all at once. Little bits and pieces come. I spend a lot of time outlining what I'm going to write. And um, as I'm outlining it, all these additional ideas come to my mind. Like in this particular book, Bloodmark, she's got a... a She's born with what she thinks is a birthmark, and it's it's across her face, and it's all over her body. And I just wondered about the the idea about how that would impact you growing up as a child and as a young adult, how that would impact you, and then how you would react if that started disappearing, how it would change your life. And so I found that fascinating, that particular concept. And I wove in... Uh, the issues of family, what is family, because she's been abandoned as a baby. Was it because of the barks? She doesn't know. But um, brings up a lot of issues of family and making your own family versus the family you're born with. And um, Yeah, so it just gives you a lot of uh, area where you can expand uh, when you've got the supernatural as one other element. There's time slip in this as well, um, which I, I find super fascinating because I, I think about all of those times when people say, um, I was in the right place at the right time with the right people, and then this event happened or this tremendous uh, win for them happened. And if one of those elements was altered in time, that wouldn't have happened. So I also found that really fascinating and was able to bring that into the, the story in a very dramatic way. How, how do you... Um... How do you, um, what, what do I say, um, what would you call this type of writing? Like, like what kind of, cause right lately in fiction, there's so many different categories. There's so oh. many different areas to go. How would you describe your writing? I describe it as supernatural thriller. Uh, now, I used to, my, my other books, I were more solidly in the urban fantasy genre, they weren't as thriller-esque, although they got more thriller-esque as the series progressed. But it's interesting when you're t talking to people about your book, if you say uh, paranormal, they think it's a romance, which it isn't. And then if you say fantasy, they don't know what that is. They tend to think about uh, J.R.R. Tolkien and these, these fantastical world-building uh, books. So when you say supernatural, everyone kind of understands Superman or, or, or Batman or Spider-Man. You know, they have in their mind that that's what this is about. And it's, a, it's more close to the book than, uh, than the other genres. So that's where I would put it, supernatural thriller. So now the, the main character, I believe, in this book is Jane Walker. Yes. Um, who is Jane Walker? Jane Walker. She was abandoned at birth, and was raised in the child welfare system. And she was abandoned at the Joyce train station, and Vancouver has a Joyce uh, Sky train station. And so her, an, a nurse at the hospital named her Joyce, and she grew up thinking herself as Joyce. But when she found out 
when she was able, old enough, when she turned 19 and was able to get her records, and she learned that that's how she got her name and that she was abandoned at the Joyce train station, she changed her name to her first name, which was Baby Jane Doe. So she adopted Jane because she thought that was a more fitting name, and she hated the name Joyce. And so she grew up street smart. She was, because of the marks on her face, she was very withdrawn and uh, bullied until she meets her best friend, who is Sadie Prescott. And Sadie is her opposite. So Sadie's beautiful. And the pair of them growing up in the child welfare system learn how to read people. They learn how to fight. And Jane keeps a knife in her boot. And she learns that um, the first time she puts a motorcycle helmet on and it covers her face and she's able to put the visor down and hide, from that moment on she is uh, completely on her motorcycle as often as she can be because it's an escape for her, not only physically, but um, people can't see her face. So uh, that's who she is. And she doesn't know what this mark is at the beginning of the book, but she sure knows what it is at the end. Now, you, you mentioned, of course, because you talked about nightmares and dreams. Um, so is, is that sort of why your main character has heart-wrenching nightmares in the book? Because of the... You? Because it just, is it personal for you? Is that part your... Like, we all put ourselves into our characters quite often when we write. Yeah. Is that kind of part of you that you've put into your character? Yeah, I would say, um, for sure. I, I, I do have a moment when I wake up if I've been having a dream, an intense dream, there's a moment, you know, that two, three seconds when you wake up that you're still confused about what happened and whether it was, you don't really think of whether it was real or not, but you have to, you know, claw your emotions back. Because sometimes I wake up and I'm mad about something that happened in a dream and it takes a while to shake that anger or whatever emotion has come out in the dream. So when when Jane dreams in this uh, book, they're very vivid dreams. Uh, they're actually more than dreams. She doesn't realize until um, later that she actually can move things and touch things in her dream. But at the beginning, it's just such horrific things that she is witnessing in her dreams, and she doesn't understand why all she sees are these terrible things. And it's not till later that she realizes why. So absolutely, that intensity of the dream would definitely be a little bit of me in there, for sure. The other thing that's a little bit of me in there is um, I, I, was, I didn't want her to be uh, perfect. I didn't want her to be really smart, uh, really rich, really beautiful or anything like that. I wanted her to have some flaws. So one of, the, the, one of my own flaws that I'm constantly being teased about is my, uh, my need to have everything neat and tidy, you know, everything square. And um, so I, I gave that to her because I knew I could, I knew how to deal with that. I knew how to make it annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I have some experience in that. <laughs> <laughs> so I gave that. <laughs> Nothing better than having an annoying character. <laughs> There's got to be something, right? Yeah, yeah. I gotta. Well, it, it, I wonder. So when you when you sit down to write something like this, um, you say that you sort of um, kind of get an outline done ahead of time. You're sort <laughs> of planning it out. So do you plan these things to be more than one book with these characters, or do you, do you just want it to be done and over? 
No, I always start off with it just being one book. And as I'm writing the book, uh, sometimes I will, uh, as I'm writing it, I'll think, oh, I could actually take this into a second book. Um, for example, in this particular book, there is uh, an offering bowl. Uh, it's an Inca offering bowl. And I found the bowl doing research on, um, on Inca culture. And at the end of the book, we don't know where that bowl is. And it, it's not a major point in the story, but it can be a major point in the story. And I'm going to be bringing that uh, bowl back in the next book because I'm outlining the next book right now. So some of the uh, some of the stories as I'm writing them suggest to me they could go further and of characters can always go further. Huh. I, I wonder. So do you do you find like when you write these books and you you involve your own personality, of course, in, in the character, do you feel like you're sort of making yourself a little bit vulnerable to readers? I, I don't relate that strongly to the character. I mean, I, I give the character, this one and my former character, I, I give them little traits of mine, but I don't invest myself. I don't identify completely with them. They're younger than me. They're, you know, probably more interesting than me in many respects. I, I don't, no, I don't. I, I have had people say, oh, you know, if they make this into the movie, you should star. And I look at them crossways. That's, that's, that's the furthest thing from my mind. <laughs> well, I'm wondering, um, you know, you've written a lot of books, and I'm just wondering, have you found that you have any motifs or anything that maybe repeats uh, throughout your novels, um, it, whether, it's, whether it's conscious or unconscious? Well, one conscious uh, repeat is I like to make my female characters, strong, independent characters. I don't like them to uh, think that there is going to be someone to come and save them. So that is a definite conscious thing that I do uh, in the books. I, I do try to make them different, and that was really important to me that the Jane character in this book is uh, very much different than the character that was in the last series. The last series being the first that I wrote, I think I probably made her too perfect. I didn't give her enough flaws. And so I was conscious that this character, I wanted her to be uh, very different. So she comes from uh, a lower, uh, lower income bracket. She raised on the street. She doesn't have a family. Um, and she is surrounded by people who are um, hookers and drug dealers and um, back alley type folks. So, in that in that regard, um, yeah, I I, I definitely um, consciously did that to the character. Where do you get your characters from then? I mean, I mean, I see the one your last character who was perfect. Uh, you probably got it for, as off of me, um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but where where does this where do, where do you oh. grab? Like, is it total imagination that throws a character into your brain, or is it that you're you're riding the sky train, or you're doing something, or at a coffee shop, and you see a character, and then you sort of map it from that person, or what is it? What is it for you? I think a lot of writers are very observant people, and I'm certainly one of those people. Like, I will sit in a coffee shop and just 
you know, rake over the people. And I call them characters, rake over the characters in the in the shop and listen to, into conversations. And I'm very observant that way. So a little bits and pieces come from people that I see or things that uh, they say. In this particular book, I've, I've got to say, have you ever seen the show or seen the ad for the show called Blind Spot? No. It's about it's about uh, the woman who uh, wakes up in a duffel bag in in the middle of New York City, and they unzip the bag. They think it's a bomb, and this woman pops out, and she's absolutely covered in tattoos from from her neck down. And um, when I saw that particular uh, scene of uh, that opening scene, that influenced me because I thought, oh my goodness. Um, here is a, a woman that is tattooed from her neck down and her fingers and everything. And I found that fascinating. So that was certainly part of this, uh, f- the fact that she has this, uh, this birthmark or tattoo on her face. But then I also, um, lived in downtown Vancouver for a long time and, uh, I, I was, you know, very uh, aware of the population uh, on the downtown east side who um, are are homeless and um, drug addicted, some of them mentally ill, uh, and drawing off of their behaviors and things that um, you see when you're downtown in probably any city. Uh, so draw for that as well. Uh, so they're layered. They're little bits and pieces of things I've seen, things I've experienced, um, things I've watched on television or read about. Yeah. That's how that's how Dave travels around, you know, <laughs> in, a, in a duffel bag so he doesn't have to pay for an extra seat. That's true. Um, <laughs> it's all true. <laughs> With a Mickey in the side. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, when you're writing your characters, um, do you find that um, you have an inner monologue that you hear uh, the characters in your head? Can you hear the prose, or are you more translating images and symbols and, and stuff like that when, you, when you're creating a story? I, I see it visually more than, uh, I don't hear the words, but I, I can visually go through the whole scene. So I, it's like I've got a, a camera on my shoulder, and I'm watching it play out. And I will often look at the scene from that perspective. And then I, if it's not working, if it's not emotional enough, I'll maybe put the camera on another character's shoulder and see if it, what it looks like from that character's perspective and or change the location to make it more interesting and, and more emotional. I always try to go for emotional. I like that. Um, I, when, I'm, when I'm watching something or reading it and it, it makes me cry or it makes me angry. I try to go back and figure out why. Um, and I, I use as much as I can of that when I'm writing. Well, who are your characters to you? And I, and I ask that in the sense of um, a, a, a lot of people that have been on the show will describe their characters as their family, their friends, their uh, children even, things like that. Do you have that kind of connection with characters or are they not like that at all they they're not my children for sure um (laughs) they're they're my friends Uh. hold up what was that 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I like them. I like the characters. I enjoy their company for sure. Um, sometimes I think of them as actors, like the people that I don't particularly the, the bad guys are actors, whereas the, the, the good ones are my friends. <laughs> I, I like being able to put the words in the, the actor's mouth. Actually, that's my very, very favorite part of writing is um, dialogue and, and being able to, you know, put the perfect retort in somebody's mouth at the razor sharp timing of it. Because in person, in my own life, I never do that right. You know, I always think of it after the fact. Hmm. It's interesting. So they don't tell you to do weird things, do they? Like, yeah, no. But sometimes they surprise me. Sometimes they do surprise me. Like um, in this book, Sadie, the roommate. At one point, it was kind of halfway through the writing, and I thought, you know, Sadie is turning out to be far more interesting than Jane, <laughs> which is kind of a bit of a problem because you know Jane's the main character, but um, I really enjoyed Sadie. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> so yeah, she surprised me in, in how in how interesting she was, for sure. Because she's fun. She's a hooker, and oh. uh, and she's beautiful. And I I like playing with the idea of what is beauty. And I I I really enjoyed it, especially in this book, because it there it's so obvious that the people in this book who aren't uh, what society would call beautiful, they are the beautiful people. They are the ones who are the kind, nice people. And the ones who are beautiful have questionable morals, very questionable morals. (laughs) So it really makes makes you question, you know, what do you assign value to? Uh, Are your beautiful people good? Are your beautiful people bad? And and what does society do with the beautiful people versus the ugly people? And it's yeah, it's just we promote reflection. them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, this is how it is. I think you know uh, that that makes me ask the question of um, so when you're putting together something like Blood Mark or any book like this, um, you have the story of Jane and the other characters and and things going on. But it sounds like there's a little bit of a subtext going on as well when you're you're talking about the beauty of each of your characters and where 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 it's at and what what is beauty. Is that sort of something you think about consciously when you're putting a book together? I started thinking about it consciously towards the end of the book because I realized there was a kind of a theme running through it of beauty, and so I did go back and kind of highlight and emphasize those things. Um, for example, the uh, the madam, uh, Sadie's madam, um, I went back and dressed her in white and cream and pristine looking clothing with a hair, not a hair out of place. Um, and I, I took uh, Jane and made her as unappealing physically, you know, the ratty clothes and uh, not paying attention, no makeup, that kind of thing. Uh, so it, it happened later in the book as I, I think that does sometimes happen. Like sometimes you're, you're finished it and you realize, oh, wait, there's, there's something running through here that's, that's more than just the story. And then you can go back and highlight those things and make it even more uh, emotional and, and more of an impact. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like you named Jane, you kind of imaged Jane after Dave there. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe more Sadie. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're we're, we're going to figure this out here. You know, we're figure this out. What's going on? You know. Uh, so now that you've written some books and it, you're you're kind of, um, you know, you're you're getting it out there and and you you kind of have a probably a, a regular sort of routine set up in doing a book and getting it published. Uh, when you look back at some of your very first stuff, do you, do you ever wish you could go back and change it? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my goodness. Yes. It's amazing how your writing changes. The more you do it, I suppose it's like anything, you know, the longer you do it, the better you get at it. It's just most people don't have the, their early work out there for people to look at and say, what? Yeah. <laughs> what was she thinking? Yeah. <laughs> I do. I do. I mean, even my blog posts, when I go back and read some of the older ones, I kind of cringe a little bit. Um, I, I've learned a lot over the years I've been writing, and I've certainly learned a lot from the editors that I've had the privilege of, of working with. And uh, the more I do write, the 
like, well, you, you hope you get better at it, but then you've always got those old books back there that you look at and kind of think, ooh. <laughs> yeah, just change your name every 10 years. Yeah, yeah. maybe I wouldn't have written that scene <laughs> quite like that. Yeah. yeah, and that comes with the experience, right, and, and as we grow. Um, do you have influences in the writing world? Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, I really like... Uh, uh, Deborah Harkness, her uh, her writing, I, I like the way they turn her shows into the the movies as well. I really enjoy seeing how that works. I I just recently read Victoria Aviard's Red Queen series, and I was so surprised and impressed at the imagination that she threw into those books. I I would never have imagined the breadth of superpowers that she, she imagined. You know, she's, she's got people who have this ability to, you know, make their clothing into steel armor and it's constantly shifting and, and changing. And I love the idea of uh, character being able to influence the weather. I hadn't thought of that before. So, yeah, I, I find other authors extremely influential and um, one of my earliest ones was the chrysalids by john Wyndham. i love the idea of the the ability to communicate telepathically and over great distances and i that that stuck in my head that's interesting it's funny where things come from and where you get ideas from to uh that influence you and you wouldn't think about it until, mm-hmm. until it happens in that. So a- any other writer that you wished you'd work with? Um, worked with, I, you know, the the one writer who is, uh, clo- I, I love her sense of humor is Charlene Harris. Um, she wrote the Sookie Stackhouse books, and oh, yeah. um, I love the way she was able to um, take these characters and turn them into human beings that had a sense of humor and uh and and did good things and bad things <laughs> and and just told an interesting story i mean that's the whole point is you know i want to entertain people i want them to uh maybe walk away with a sense of wonder for sure but i want them to be entertained to you know take them away from the world for a little while so any anyone who can do that i want to study how they did that and and repeat it in my own work yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so what do you think you're going to do next after something like this? I'm already working on um, the story arc for the next. I, I think there may be two more books in this series, and so I'm writing the outline for the next one, and um, the third one I'm calling question mark right now. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be. But if I get towards the end of the second book and there's not enough meat there to take it into a third, then um, there's definitely enough for a second. And I'll just leave it at the second if I can't uh, think of some more interesting things for the third one. Well, I'm wondering, after writing fiction, um, especially, you know, you're writing you know, some stuff that might be darker, um, do you have a way to decompress after that, uh, recharge, relax, or... Um, do you even need to do that? Do you just, you know, move on to, to the next one? Yeah, I don't usually need to, to – I find this entertaining and, and fun. Um, I, the, the writing for me is what keeps me happy, 
and sane. And um, I actually, you know, I talk about it's rather dark. I think I didn't realize I was dark, but I think I, I must <laughs> I must be um, because I I had decided that I would write a Christmas story um, just to try to shake things up, and I thought I, I'd write a Christmas story. Well, I had a, a heck of a time coming up with a Christmas story that didn't involve dead people. <laughs> and I kept thinking, this can't be Christmas. <laughs> so, no, I, I, I don't, um, even though it's dark, it seems to be what makes me happy. So, um, yeah, I, I don't take a break. Uh, I, do, I do have periods where I'm not writing. I'm just, you know, uh, generating ideas. And that's the stage I'm at now. I'm still generating ideas. So I'm, I'm putting them into a rough outline. I'm kind of highlighting what are going to be the, you know, the the killer scenes kind of thing. Um, but when I start writing, um, I'll, I'll get, I, I don't do any outlining once I'm writing. I, I just start writing and off I go. Wow. Do, do men quite often get killed in your books? I was just wondering how your husband is. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, I just throw that out there, you know, is he alive? Can he? <laughs> uh, no, but he's off. Proof of he life. often has the 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 you know the the blunt end of my waking up mad. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Do you know what you did in my dream? <laughs> Don't you ever do that again? Yeah, you have a frying pan by your night table. <laughs> Slap. Yeah, I can see that. You know, just uh, you know, maybe if he could come on camera and wink, blink twice. <laughs> yeah, are you alive? Does he need help? You know, <laughs> have to say anything. Yeah. I keep him uh, in a cage. Well, yeah, you know, I'm, it, yeah, I'm, I'm not even surprised one bit. Um, okay, so now, um, do you do you have a website and a place that you like people to come find out more about you and your writing? Sure, they can get me at jpmclaneauthor.com, and they can also on that. Um, they can download the first chapter of all of my books in a PDF format so they can read a little bit about it. And uh, all of my connections to all of my social media are on there. Great. We'll have that up, of course, as well. So people listening can one click and find you. Um, Thank you. you if, if someone ha was listening now and they, they've never heard of you before, which I don't see how that could be, but um, <laughs> they've never heard of you before and um, they wanted to buy one book, which book would you tell them to get to find out what kind of a writer you are? I would tell them to pick up Blood Barn. It's out oh. next week. Ah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, think, I think it's um, it's representative of my writing now, for one thing. You know, I, I have improved over the course of all the books that I've written. And, and I think if they really enjoy that one, then they could go back and, and start with The Secret Sky. And that'll get them going on a whole series. Yeah. Well, and, and we, we talked about this before, and I, I ask this a lot um, because um, you must have wrote or finished writing this or been in the edit process during a lot of the uh, COVID, you know, ups and downs that we've been through. And I know that for, for myself, it really interfered in my writing. Um, but I'm just an emotional mess, so that's, you know. <laughs> that's a, that's another another problem about you know, uh, but so how how does this affect someone like you? Do you think maybe this maybe had you write a little darker, and you didn't realize it, or what, what's your thought on COVID? Well, it, yeah, that's an interesting 
thought about writing darker. I hadn't given that a lot of consideration before. But I, when this thing started, we had my husband and I had just returned in February from a trip, and everything was shutting down as we were driving back to the house. And when we got back to the house, I spent a lot of time just glued to the TV, not quite comprehending the uh, the massive event that this was going to be. And I found that I was completely stymied. My creativity just, you know, hit a roadblock. And I found I couldn't, I couldn't concentrate for more than about 10 or 15 minutes without wanting to turn the TV on and see what was happening. Was anything new happening? So I think I went through a period of, you know, four to six months of not being able to write creatively at all. And then when I did start writing again, it was a slow start, and it, I finally did. I was writing Bloodmark at the time. Um, so, and, and at the time, there was a lot of questions about, are you going to include uh, the pandemic in your writing? Is that going to impact your story? And I made the conscious decision, no, it wasn't going to. And, and part of the reason I made that decision was because I found it so depressing that I didn't want to bring that into the story and as as dark I guess as the story is I didn't want that to be a part of it at all I didn't want to read about it in my fun time you know my escapism I just wonder um, how much we're going to see the effects of what we've done Um, you know like in 20 years when you look back I wonder if you'll look at some of this these this writing like this book and kind of go wow that was a little bit like you might see things that you don't see now. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that, that might be the case. Yeah. It's certainly impacting. uh, It's impacting so many things that I don't think we even know yet. Like the, um, uh, the communities that have kind of fallen by the wayside, the, the celebrations that haven't happened, you know, the 65th birthdays and the 50th birthdays and the 25th wedding anniversaries and weddings and funerals, all those things that we haven't been able to uh, do the way we normally do, I think has really impacted communities um, all over the world. It's, it's, it's kind of hard to grab your, put your head around how big this thing is and just how, many people have been affected and impacted by it it's yeah it's still yeah well and it's very strange it's strange in the sense that you know 100 years ago when they dealt with the pandemic they had no communication and they didn't have the things that we do now and so it, it maybe in a way i think for some people it doesn't seem real you yeah know? and that's caused a lot of weird behavior and it's been a really strange thing but i think all of this will kind of work its way out in our art, in our writing, in shows and stuff. You know, it's going to be, it's one of those things I wouldn't include the pandemic in a in a book because we don't know where it's going, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, how, how could you, you know, yeah. I think it would be tough. But I think it definitely gets into our emotions if you're an emotional writer. Oh, my goodness, yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, it, it, it would be very interesting to look back 10 years uh, from now and see if I do think that this book is particularly dark. Maybe it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and you can't really see it when you're real close to it, especially, you know, it's so soon. It's so recent. It's so still happening, you know, in oh, a way yeah. that um, it's something that you won't get for, for a number of years. So, you know, 
Yeah, and then I'll look back and say, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I wrote that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I know. I know. That's what I, you know, just, you know, Dave, we have to keep him in the cage. Yeah. <laughs> in the basement of the house yeah, in this room. Kind of let him out. Well, he's yes. out of the he's he's out of the uh, the the knapsack now, so that's good. <laughs> that's up one. Yeah, on the bus. Yeah, right? he's, he's the guy riding the bus. That's uh, talking to himself. You know, it's kind of weird. Kind of weird thing. Well, well, that's interesting. That's uh, it's been quite a quite a conversation. We've learned a lot learned a lot from you we learned not to sit in a coffee shop in vancouver that's right <laughs> end up end up in your next book and it won't be a pretty uh, ending I, I, I stay out of that one boy i'll tell you do actually you know what you know one of the first fiction writers i interviewed years ago jd horn who does really good stuff he said that he would um be out, you know, doing whatever. And um, he could be in a lineup in a supermarket and some someone could be really rude and cut in and do all this stuff. He would take that character and put it in his book and kill them. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I love that. I think that's a great outlet for, you know, anger or upset, you know. So, so just just remember that. So now, D Dave is up for that. If you want to take him <laughs> and, and push him into a river or something, I don't know. Throw throw the whole duffel bag in all at once. Yeah, leave it zipped up. Yeah, toss it in the brink. Yeah. yeah. All right. So he, he's pickled. He won't die. He's just... I'll be fine. Yeah, He'll float. He's, he's the Keith Richards of radio. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's right. No. <laughs> anyway, well, it's been a fantastic conversation, and um, we really appreciate you being here. And um, hopefully continued success, and we'll have you on again sometime. Well, thank you, Dave and Al. It's been wonderful to be on your show. Really appreciate it. Tired of wasting time trying to decide what to watch on your streaming service? Go to our website and look for the Martino Movie Reviews. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. <laughs> The end. By George, he's got it. It is the end. I'll see you. If you're lying to me, I'll be back. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.